listening to Our Stories, the Australian Army on Operations podcast. This is Task Group Taji Rotation 4, a combined force of Australian and New Zealand military personnel on a training mission here in Iraq. We're here at the request of the Iraqi government as part of Operation Okra, led by Joint Task Force 633. Operation Okra is Australia's contribution in the Middle East region to international coalition efforts against Daesh and their campaign of terrorism. This week, I'm joined by Levi Strip to find out more about his role as part of the mission. So tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, I'm Corporal Strip. I'm a medic working within the hospital based here at Task Group Taji 4 and also uh, I've been utilised as a trainer to help with the, the mission over here. So tell us a bit about the training because you're out here on the range where we are right now pretty much every day training the Iraqis. So what have you been doing as part of that? So we help deliver the training in, in all areas, but primarily uh, with my expertise is delivering the medical training. And what have you been teaching them? So we've been teaching the local forces here basic uh, interventions such as uh, hemorrhage control, stopping the bleeding, airway interventions, casualty preparation and uh, preparing them for evacuation. And I imagine those skills are pretty important. Absolutely. So it's uh, good to teach them these skills so they can actually make a difference uh, in the battlefield and they can pass on this training to their brethren. So delivering this training uh, helps make a difference to them where they're out in the fight. You talk about them being out in the fight because many of the people you're training here, they have gone straight to Mosul, haven't they? That's right. Our training forces, uh, once they complete their training, uh, they're moving straight up into the um, offensive up in Mosul and they're already making a difference. And what kind of reactions then did you get from the Iraqis when you were training them? They have a very positive training audience. They're very eager to learn and they really want to make a difference and we can see that. What kinds of experiences have they had? Did they talk to you about what's happened to them? A lot of them have, have stories and they all have their own uh, individual stories from home. Some are very, very sad and they have lots of uh, loss. One in particular incident was the we were delivering training and uh, one of the trainees got a phone call from home and unfortunately heard um, the loss of his brother due to a sniper attack in Mosul. And that happened right in the middle of the training you're offering? That's right, yeah. So it, it does bring it close to home and for the rest of the audience to hear that, they really take it home and they, they know that this is real, but that didn't stop their uh, eagerness to learn and it made their willingness to learn and to get out there uh, a lot more. Is it challenging, though, trying to teach across cultural boundaries because you are dealing with people, obviously, who don't speak English? The trainees, have, uh, they're all from different walks of life and within the training group, they don't just speak standard Iraqi Arabic. They have different cultural backgrounds. They speak Turkmani or uh, Kurdish. So uh, it's been quite difficult, but although the hurdles, we're still able to deliver the training and they're getting a very good outcome with that. When you're actually trying to teach them then, how do you go about that? I mean, do you use dummies? Do you use special equipment? So we use a, a variety of training aids, so right to ourselves and our mates and other trainers and getting them involved as well and using them to practice on each other, right down to um, mannequins and dummies and lots of fake blood and fake wounds and it really gets uh, the training going. It's good, exciting stuff. Because I know when I've undertaken medical training myself, it can be quite full-on. You know, you, you have this moulage that's used, which are these kind of fake wounds and the like. Is, is that the kind of equipment you're using? 
Yes, so we, uh, we use like the, the fake blood or uh, makeup and special effects and we also try and um, simulate fatigue and stress so we get them to go for a run or doing these interventions with body armour and helmets on with a bit of sound, a bit of yelling and uh, sort of try and simulate that they could be doing these interventions under a bit more stress than normal. Right down to the kits that they've been receiving, uh, the medical kits that they carry on themselves, we wanted to make sure that they were comfortable with the equipment that they're getting issued and they're able to use that instinctively. And so they do take this on board quite seriously and they know that if they do have to use this, they, they can be comfortable with doing so. You say instinctively. That seems to be key, isn't it? It's having the equipment, it's having the training, but not needing to think, just knowing what to do. Absolutely. So we practice the drills over and over again so that they can practice getting the skill right and so when, once it comes down to it and when they're stressed and fatigued, they can do these skills properly and efficiently so they can get a good patient outcome. Tell us a bit more about your own background because you used to be in the infantry, didn't you? And then you crossed over to being a medic. So you've obviously gone through all this training yourself. So in my previous job as an infantryman, I deployed to East Timor and in the preparation training, we did a lot of medical training to get our skills up to standard using stress and fatigue so that our skills and, and our drills would be instinctive and we still get the, the job done uh, smooth and fast. So I try to bring those skills uh, to the training audience here where we can show them that doing these skills under a bit of stress and fatigue, doing lots of different training, that this becomes instinctive to them. So you deployed previously to East Timor? Yes, so I deployed to East Timor in 2010 as a Rothman with 8-9 RAR based in Brisbane. I had a really good time there. Very different experience being here in Iraq now, I imagine. Quite different deployments. Yes, so our role uh, was a peacekeeping mission and in East Timor. I guess there's a, a very big difference to here in, in the Middle East, in Iraq, training the local forces here to, uh, to fight a very different enemy. When you think about those two deployments, you were there as an infantryman, you're here as a medic. Are there any similarities, though? Deployment life is, is similar. Uh, I guess no matter what job you do. So uh, being away from home and family uh, has its own challenges. The environment's very different. The conditions and, and the day-to-day -day life can be very similar. What is it like being deployed? For people that have never done it, how would you describe it? Uh, very hard to explain. It's, uh, it's a very good feeling. It's something that I've wanted to do and I've wanted to come to the Middle East for a long time. So now to finally be here... Working with our multinational partners has been a, a really positive experience. Being able to draw experiences and training from the British forces, the American forces, and uh, working with the New Zealanders as well has been really good. And being able to see how they conduct business and uh, working with them to provide a better outcome for the trainees. It must be challenging, though, sometimes, being away from home for such a long time. You've done it twice now. Yes, yeah, so the, um, this trip's a little bit longer than my last one. Being away, although it's the second time, I guess it never makes it OK. So, and I, I do miss my family and my girlfriend back home. You've still got a smile on your face, though, so there must be some positives to being out here. Yeah, so the, the biggest positive for me is actually uh, seeing the difference that we're making and the uh, eagerness of the training audience. We can see that there is a difference being made in the offensive of Mosul, uh, with key areas of the city uh, being taken back by the forces that we're training. What was the reaction of your family when they found out you were coming here to Iraq? 
Uh, mums are very uh, proud about my uh, service, uh, as well as my dad. And they were very happy for me, knowing that I really wanted this. However, they still had that nervousness and didn't know much about the trip and about Iraq. Once I was able to convey the uh, what's happening over here and, and the mission that we're involved in, that eased a lot of their fears. And, uh, yeah, they're really proud. You've got a few months still to go. What are you hoping to achieve then in the last few weeks and months of your deployment here? Uh, looking after our soldiers and our coalition partners, I guess is my primary role here, making sure that everyone comes home safe and, and healthy. And I'd also like to be involved in the more training. I've had a really, really uh, good experience doing that. And I'd like to see more of the local forces come through and, and hopefully I can make a bit more of a difference. Corporal Levi Strip, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Task Group Taji, Rotation 4. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia. <laughs>